So. <laughs> hey, hey, one, two, hey, hey. So um, I'm sitting here with uh, Tick uh, Maynard and Jake Birnbaum. I'm down here in Ocala uh, visiting. We're doing some some videos and stuff, and uh, so we just thought we'd take advantage of this this situation where all three of us together and do a little podcast. Um, so today, what we did, we had kind of an interesting meeting of two worlds. Uh, where one of Jake's saddle horses, uh, Sophia, um, <clears throat> and kind of um, looking for a focus for her going forward, um, Tick rode Sophia and doing um, some jumping, some like cross-country jumps and stuff like that. So we were kind of like looking at the differences between the two, you know, like in Western style, you know, stops are really important turnbacks and stuff like that and in English you know in, in eventing and stuff you want a little bit more like up and forward kind of a thing so I thought we'd just kind of talk a little bit about the differences between the two. Yeah well I've always been curious about the difference between the two mainly because my my background is in show jumping and dressage and eventing um, but I've spent a little bit of time like not a lot of time but I, you know a week or a month here and there um, learning from some Western people. And, and I kind of feel like, you know, I should have been a cowboy. <laughs> I love it. Like, I love it. Like whenever I go and I get a chance to sit on a rainer or sit on a cutter, I always think like, I got to do this more. Like, I love it. But there's some things that I've never really um, had clear in my mind. And as I go, I've kind of gotten like, a, you know, some sort of, you know, answers to my questions, but usually I end up with more questions than answers. So I think it'll be fun with uh, Nick in here to uh, and Jake to talk to talk through this. Um, you know, some of the differences I've realized, and maybe Jake can jump in here after I've after I've talked about this. Is one of them one of the obvious ones to me is I find a lot of Western people want the bit a little bit lower in the mouth, and I'm wondering if that's related to the kind the kind or the amount of contact that we want. Um, another thing is how prepared that horse is to stop rather than what I would call collect. Um, and obviously Western horses can collect as well, but you know, normally if I'm slowing down a jumping horse, I'm collecting it. I'm not stopping it. Um, and then another thing is some of the obvious things that they do in the Western world that we just don't do as part of our discipline, which would be like sliding stops in some disciplines or spins. You know, I think for a Western horse that spins, they plant their hind legs. For an English horse that does a pirouette, the hind legs stay in the same place, but they keep moving. They keep stepping, whether it's a walk. Uh, pirouette like a turn on the haunches or whether it's a canter pirouette so um, you know I find it I find it really interesting and I find it a fun challenge and I don't think anybody out there should feel like they have to do one or the other but I think the more that you learn from one the, the more can kind of help you you appreciate horses and appreciate some of the differences in the different disciplines yeah. we had a fun talk one time uh, Tick came with a a venting horse and we did uh, intro to working cattle and then you wrote the article about it and when we did that article we talked about the idea that English horses are more frequently made and bred to get out of the ground versus Western horses are more bred and made even just naturally and is and trained, made there. and bred and, and, and trained, then trained as well, like to bring that out more. <clears throat> to yeah. get in the ground, yeah. uh, get in the dirt versus out of the dirt. And that out of the dirt in an English horse is they're naturally bred to be springier, more, ha more elevation, and um, want to jump and be 
you see it in the knee action in these dressage horses. They go around as babies in the field, you know, prancing around uh, like they're in a, the dressage ring versus you watch a well-bred cutting horse at Liberty. They're not even a year old, and they're if they're turned out with cattle or they get around, they sit down and boogie-woogie. I mean, they sit down and cut a butterfly that goes by um, if it's really in there. So it's nat- nature and then... Um, amplified by the training style and the better uh, more focused the breeding is I don't want to call it better just the more focused the breeding is for a task the easier it is to train that horse versus um, trying to train a horse that doesn't have it in there naturally it just takes a little more effort and you have to encourage the certain behaviors a little bit more so there's that aspect and then there's the training of the rider to know if a horse is naturally got more woe than go or get in the dirt versus out of the dirt, you're just going to have to ride it maybe with a little more leg and oomph to, to keep it up. Like Sophia, as an example, this mare can stop hard, spin, work a flag, rope, work a cow, um, change, you know, change leads, pee off all the dressage movers. Like she does all of the things and... So to ride her more like an English horse with more forward, you just ride her with more forward. And so you have to put a little more leg on and you ride with a little more oomph and then you ride her a little more uphill in the way that you take the contact with your hands versus when I want to ride her to look like a Western horse, I lower her head down and ride it there and allow that you know, training and nature of her ready to sit down and plant her feet it's like i just allow her to do it and so if i don't want her to plant a foot and stay more forward i just don't allow it by riding her more forward and into that and this is when we realize that the training of the rider and this is the the fun part of tick is a very well-trained rider um as well as a, a a very good trainer that it becomes simple to then figure out that horse and how do we hold it there and when you watch the footage of him riding Sophia it was very easy for him to just ride her a bit more forward well well, some of you might get a get a chance to see that footage I think what you're going to really enjoy is is a bit of footage that you're going to get to see of Jake riding uh riding and getting a little jumping lesson from me and uh there might there might be him riding in some tight pants which i don't know if anybody's ever seen that before but i can pretty i can pretty much guarantee it's going to be like a highlight it's going to be on the highlight reels for the the horseman's university and then we're going to hopefully get me uh bring put one of my horses or or get me in a western saddle which i haven't done very much but that i love doing and and maybe do something like like uh, a little raining or get on the, the flag and a little cutting yeah, or I just heard about a great fun. game from these guys which I'd never heard of before which is uh, what do you call it the green the green ball game so we use the green ball we get a herd of balls so I got had to get creative I wasn't allowed to have cattle on the farm that I was working on in Virginia and I lived there for two and a half years so instead I just had five I got them on special um, on sale and I had five big green balls that um, you know Pirelli sells and a couple other people sell that style of horse balls like a monster it's like an exercise exercise like a ball yoga ball, yoga but, ball. It's huge. but it's, it's like yeah it's horse like size the, yeah, yeah, and that's the, different than the blue balls yeah, yeah. and that uh, I think the horse education company sells those so you get the training <laughs> if you buy the training stick you get two blue balls for free was the special they ran that you're referring to and so that um, 
using that training tool, we'd have a whole herd of them and put numbers on them, one through five. And so the game was green ball sorting or boxing. And so you go, okay, go catch the uh, number five is your number and you'd have to bring it through the gate. Or if we did sorting, you would go, your number is two, you'd go two, three, four, five, one to put them through in order. So we've had all sorts of games that you had to get creative without the cattle to be able to train your horse in some of these uh, disciplines. So that's that game. So we might have to break the balls out and uh, play a little game like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, kind of getting back to uh, to what Tick said before, I was kind of wondering this as we're sitting here talking about it, is the difference in tack and like the carriage of the bit. Like a lot of Western trainers will prefer to have the horse hold the bit up rather than have yeah, and I find that tighter. I've I, you know I've talked to people. And I'll have somebody explain to me why they like the bit lower, and I'll be like totally convinced. And then I'll talk to somebody that likes the bit a little bit higher, and I'll be like totally convinced. You know, it's one of those things that I know enough about to be like, oh, that's cool, I get it. But then I'll talk to somebody else with a different opinion, and I'll be like, wait a minute, no, wait a minute, you've just totally talked me out of my out of my uh, yeah. belief system. So I, I think it's I think it's quite uh, quite an interesting idea. Yeah. So how I think about it and look at it, and I want to say, I, I already thought this, but I saw this maybe on like a Buck Brandman video and yeah. heard him talk about it, is uh, for me, I set the, whatever bit it is high enough that when the horse opens their mouth and doesn't hold the bit, that it's not going to drop and hit their teeth. Yeah. And then what I also was taught is that um, this is something Pat Pirelli encouraged me to be aware of is on certain ported bits, Western style bits mm -hmm. that you need it high enough in the mouth that it, it it's appropriate in the open space. Like that it doesn't rest yeah. on the tongue. The port of it is above the tongue, it, right. which is the whole point of the port. And it's that yeah. way it's, it's up. So yeah. you need that. If it's too low, it's easier for that to bang them inappropriately in the roof of the mouth and that yeah. would cause damage. So you don't want that. So yeah. those style bits, he said, I'll, forgive you for too high in the mouth yeah. not too low he yeah. was adamant that that was important versus a snaffle yeah. he wanted very low and you just yeah. want that that if they open their mouth it doesn't drop and rattle the teeth martin right. black was someone i heard talk yeah. about that on um, his bridal horse series yeah. and that kind of helped me with the mount so now for me i choose to have them at that height that it's not going to rattle the teeth but not really wrinkling them and so that way <clears throat> and sophia as an example when, when i pick up the bit and put it into the corners of her mouth and lift it up there and lift it up, it's going to bring her into a frame more and it's, she's going to go, I don't want you to crank that up in the corners of my mouth, so I'm going to put my head down to get you to put your hands down and leave it there. And that lifting into the corners of the mouth is the signal to shape up instead of a backwards shaping with a, with a pull or a closing of the hands to frame her. And so that, if the bit is already cranked up in there, now you've lost um, a series of phases of increasing pressure that now you, you just can't use it. It's not yeah. positive or negative. You just don't have that at your yeah. um, disposal to use as a um, signal to the horse that here comes more pressure or here comes more encouragement to, to do something different. And so that is then something that, would be a reason to not have it lifted up in there if you want that to work. Mm -hmm. If you're not worried about it and or you can't ride in that style where you pick your hands up, well then it, it doesn't matter. Again, it's not right or wrong. It's just that when we have that awareness, you just pick. 
yeah. how you want that to go. So that's kind of how I've been where I, I, I'm not worried about either one, but that's why for me I, I let it sit probably lower than a lot of English writers would have it be up. Yeah. Curious how that relates to like both of your writing styles. Well, I'm curious how it relates to, <laughs> for like the obvious thing is rain length, but then also what the rain length represents, like how much the horse takes the contact, like right. um, how a horse like takes the contact when they take you to a jump or, or um, you know, a, a cross country horse that's galloping that carries you across the land. And they're actually like, you want them like pulling on the bit a little bit. Like you, you do want to give up like what you're talking about, that little bit where like one means something, like one doesn't mean anything, like they're pulling you at one. Yeah. And you want them doing that like in jumping, not in a, in a rude way or a way that continues to escalate, but in a way that's just like, you know, I said in, in the video that we did earlier, like imagine holding somebody's kid's hand and you're crossing the street that you, you've got them right there and you're, you're, there's no limpness. It's not like a limp handshake, but you're, you're, you can lead them across the road mm. and you feel like if you were to slow you, there's just a little home and they stop with you and then you don't, you don't have the feeling where they're like trying to pull you back or pull you across the road, but you can still lead them across the road. Mm. And you do have, I think, you know, I've ridden, you know, a little cutting in on the Western, not, not very much at all, but a little bit. And then definitely in those you want almost like slack in the rain and, and one means something, even a half means something like yeah. you go to, you know, I got on a horse once and, and I put a half on and the horse didn't stop quick enough. And the trainer had me like back the horse up halfway across the arena. They're like, that horse has got to stop yeah. if they even feel it. Half means 10. Yeah. 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 And yeah. that's, that's uh, you're absolutely right. That's like a different kind of thing. Yeah. So I wonder like if we did, if we did today's sessions over in more of a Western setup, like what Sophia is used to, and having a little bit less feel in the mouth there, um, how she would have reacted differently. Because oh, interesting. with your riding style, yeah. like she was kind of struggling to find that. Do you mean like if I'd ridden her like kind of back in the saddle on, on a loose rein and jumped her like that? Is that what you mean? I think, no, what I mean is like if you were trying to put her in a frame in a little different way, like using more of Jake's, using Jake's hands yeah. Jake's seat, how she would have yeah. reacted as opposed to, you know, how, how you would normally ride a, ride a jumping horse or a yeah. jumping horse. Yeah. 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 It, it's something too, to, to look at, um, cause she's been in the frame, like she's, you know, she's real good at she, being collected. She, and all she that frames thing. up. Like, I mean, yeah. she, she will put her chin in her chest and, and you can not just head down. So I can put her, if I wanted to, I don't ride horses this way yeah. on purpose, but yeah. if you wanted to, you could put her nose between her knees that low and. Yeah. And back that way over flexion for yeah. what we would want to ride a horse. You could put her there and she'd go, okay. Yeah. Like she yeah. would do yeah. it, but you can also tuck her chin and lift her up for the amount of lift that you would need to do like a, a, a well, piaf or a passage. Yeah. Like more of a jumping, from what I've watched jumping horses, a lot of times you'll see from what I watch, you know, my wife likes jumping a lot and has done lessons in um, things with tick and so I've gone to, to watch and you'll see those jumping horses as they come towards the jump the rider sit back and lift their hands up and you're almost lifting the head up so the horse sees the jump you go ready set that one and then turn them loose to go do the job of the jump yeah and it's a little bit like what we talked about when we were preparing for our symposium is like commonalities between things and one of them is the idea of searching a target you know yeah. like searching a cow or a flag uh, and in this case, searching a target, yeah. and and the target in this case is the jump. Is the jump? You know that they come out of the turn and they don't take over, but they look at that three or four strides away, and then it's like that's their job. Like, yeah. and they look at it and they, they're like a heat-seeking 
missile, yes, you know, then they're like, I'm going to go jump that. And, you know, at some point, you know, when you're five strides away, sure, you can still about pull up, but at some point it's a little unfair. Like when you're strided two away, when that horse is getting that athleticism, that momentum, especially for bigger jumps to be able to pull them out of that line. Like you don't want to do that. You want to say, I've put you on this and now I've got to let you do your job. Yeah, you mm-hmm. got to go, you're along for the ride. Especially yeah. with that target training, like, cause you're trying to show that the jump is really relief. So like you want to have, especially going over it a little bit more, you know, letting those reins slip and letting them lengthen themselves out over the, over the yeah. jump. <clears throat> the you mentioned about how that feel of them on the bit and really kind of pulling you along it's very similar to racing so the more you pull on a racehorse's bridle the harder they run versus traditionally when you train a horse the harder you pull back on the reins the more they should slow down and stop yeah. uh, it's very different yeah. um, i've watched people ride with linda pirelli on her personal horse and if you pull back on that horse, he will power into the bit and take off with you. Yeah. Hmm. And I'm not saying that's good or bad. That's just the reality of how she's trained him that the reins can mean go in her pursuit of her dressage stuff to really help him power up. And that's the same reason they do it with thoroughbred racehorses is that the reins help them power and they balance against it to power and drive, which is the same thing you need to all out gallop across the cross country field and jump these insanely monstrous cross country jumps. Um, and so if you don't keep that balance of giving a, a lending hand to help them balance, yeah. you're, you're And some horses do, balance, so. do balance against it. Like you're saying. And I think that, I think how much a horse, I think that has to be there to a certain extent, but I think how much it has to be there depends on the athleticism and the training and how easy that is for the horse mentally and physically. I think, you know, sometimes horses will make up for a lot, for a lack of athleticism by having to have more momentum, you know, mm-hmm. like you got to run faster at a jump because they don't have the natural sort of athleticism to jump it from a more relaxed or slower state. Yeah. Um, and you know, as you go up, the levels, I think usually you'll see that the horses are more athletic and the people are better trained and you'll still have that feeling, but it'll be a lighter, yes. a lighter version of that yep. feeling. Whereas sometimes, you know, people mistake that I, I, idea, like they think that their horse, you know, needs the momentum when it, it doesn't. It doesn't. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I agree. And that's the same as what you were just saying with the amount of feel. They yeah. can be balancing and resting on, on that bit just a little bit and or have yeah. that help power and it only weighs an ounce in your hands. Yeah, yeah. And that just comes yeah. then again to the uh, training of the rider. How yeah. sensitive are your hands to feel them and how well is, how trained is your seat, your yeah. independent seat and how strong are you in the saddle that you're not pulling back to hold yourself in the saddle with the reins. Yeah. Uh, and that's where you see the, you know, people doing bridalist jumping. And I'm not talking a little log or a barrel. We're yeah. talking and that's foot. And that's where just like in any discipline, whether it's Western or English, your, your position and your balance on a horse is so important. Because if you're using the reins for balance rather than like the way you want your horse to be trained, that's a whole different thing. If you're mm-hmm. having to, you yourself as a rider, balance against the horse, you definitely mm-hmm. don't want that. You know, mm-hmm. like you want to feel like you can be in perfect balance with your horse, with a bridle, without a bridle, with stirrups, without stirrups, with a saddle, without a saddle over a big jump, over a little jump, but your, your upper body, your core, your seat can all be in the correct position so that when you do use the reins or the horse does take the bit, they're doing it because of a way you want it to be done and a feeling you want yeah. and you're putting the horse in position. You're not doing it just out of, you know, like being, you know, not having good balance. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting point. 
Because that is, I mean, that's across disciplines. It's like you kind of take it down to down to liberty. So you go onto a bridalist, you know, and like what you were saying, you can bridalist over big jumps and stuff like that. Like as a rider, you have to be very, you know, physically balanced on the horse and not be leaning on them. And, you know, and that gives the horse a lot of responsibility too. I think that's yeah. really important. You have to then look at the training of the rider, um, the difference in how I can balance and ride in my big western roping saddle and go galloping across the field. It, it's a whole different deal if I were going to try to ride like that, especially because I just don't in your little jumping saddle, <laughs> right? Yeah, That's yeah. a whole yeah. other level. You're getting level. used to a whole different, and, it's almost, well, it is a different sport. It, You're trying to adjust, even it, though it's a horse sport, it's a different sport. And so to, you better really be trained up and that's where, oh yeah, I got good balance. Do you, or is it your saddle filling in for mm. you? And that's the ba- benefit of bareback riding or cross yeah. training yeah. and uh, being able to get into it. If you're a Western rider and you have a nice big uh, Western saddle with a nice healthy horn and buck rolls and a shine yeah. roll yeah. and a nice deep seat to uh, itty bitty little postage stamp of a yeah. jockey or jumping saddle or a dressage saddle. It's very flat and minimalistic. It, you have a way more um, need for that. We do, uh, we do challenges on the Horseman's University once in a while. And I think for you know, all the kids out there learning to ride that have a small horse or a pony, I think something they couldn't overdo at this stage is bareback riding for no matter what discipline you mm-hmm. want to do to get the confidence, to get the balance, to learn to be close to your horse, you know, when the horse turns, when the horse speeds up to be able to stay with them, you know, mm-hmm. it's such a great thing to, for kids to be doing. Yeah, for sure. That can be intimidating, like being, you know, cause in a Western saddle, I mean, you're, you're sitting there and even in an English saddle, at least you have stirrups or something to balance yourself against. So bareback riding can be really, intimidating and like you'll probably lose your balance which is fine so it's like take it one step at a time walk yeah walk (laughs) don't don't jump if you can't walk (laughs) and then you know going from there into even just like two steps at the trot like just don't go into trotting it's like just go into a little bit of trotting (laughs) and feel that motion because it feels so different and i feel like it's the same you know, in an English saddle versus in a Western saddle, it's like that feel, that motion of the horse is just a little bit different to where it can throw you off if you're not, you know, if you're not perfectly centered. But I and there's, you know, there's other ways back. to make it safer too. Like, um, you know, like having a kid on a lunge line, for example, yeah, or yeah, leading yeah. them if they're really young. Sure. Also, I've seen Jake riding with uh, Johnny, his son, like with him. And does he ride in front of you? Or? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he rides in front of you. Yeah. Um, and, and they just ride together. Yeah, and if anybody has like... You know, a wife learning to ride. I'm sure Jake would. Climb <laughs> <laughs> up in my lap here. <laughs> I've told I've told a few clients over the years. You know, I wish it wouldn't be so inappropriate for us to just ride doubles. This <laughs> <laughs> is not really appropriate yeah. and a little bit weird, but. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it can. It, the point is that could help. You know, like with kids. You know, if yeah. you brought that opportunity, just ride with somebody. Yeah. 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 It's uh, when I learned to ride, uh, I've been riding for about 15, 16 years now. So not that long compared to some people uh, and longer than others. And a big part of my development was bareback riding. And the amount that I did early when I was really trying to get stuff sorted out was a massive amount. Mm -hmm. I got to a point where all I did was bareback and bridalist riding. And I could go anywhere, anytime, anyplace with that mare that I had star. And it was a lot. And that 
really helped me as a rider. And the reality of how little or almost none of that I do nowadays because I do so much teaching horses flexions and shapes and um, appropriate responses with the bridles and people's hands just because that's an area that gets a lot of people in trouble. They get too handsy and or the horse isn't exposed and experienced enough to how to handle that kind of pressure. You know, then I just don't ride bareback or I'm riding lots of horses that have um, behaviors we maybe wish they didn't have. And so therefore I, I, I want that backup of having the saddle and then mm-hmm. I don't ride my own personal horses. And it's something that I know I every once in a while I go, I need to do a week of some bareback riding and, yeah. and tune that up. Well, you get to know just how little it takes for the horse to react Yeah, when you're doing bareback and, and just like the tiniest little bit of weight shift you can tell more bareback because you get off balance when you mm-hmm. put weight on them inappropriately for a maneuver that you're trying. Whereas in the saddle, the saddle kind of... It can cover it up you if know, you're sitting a little too up. much left or a little yeah. too much right. You know, you, you know, as an instructor, sometimes you'll watch and you'll see somebody be sitting to the outside two or three inches and, they, and the rider doesn't realize that. But bareback, you realize that pretty quick yeah, yeah, and you're going to be on the ground. Yeah, absolutely. I think to bring this back around to what we started talking about is the idea of what is the difference between English and Western is, is there a difference or is it just sport specific difference that I think the foundation training, how we train the foundation of a rider really kind of ought to be, um, in the best of everything, the same. Yeah. And then the same for a horse. If you can take a horse and have that foundation the same, and then we just tweak for a sport yeah. and that's what we are yeah. really doing with Sophia. She's learned some stuff for some Western type sports, but, um, as I, she's at a great age and I have a lot of other responsibilities and things going on. I've decided that the horse that w- would be better owned by somebody else that can ride her every day and really appreciate how, how well trained she is and how much she has to offer. And so, um, what Tick and I talked about is, hey, let's get her going over some jumps, and that would be a good thing. I think to look at that progression of how simple that was for you to take and do that, yeah, and yeah. and feel out what does she know, and how can I sort that out, and show her how she can use that for a job mm. of, of jumping. It, it's a it's a great great picture. So the difference in English and Western a lot of times is, can you just ride them differently, ride a horse differently to show them I need you a little more forward. Or a little more in the dirt yeah and then also make sure that we're not asking a horse that is bred you know made to do a job like cutting and go and you're gonna be a jumping horse it's not really a f- fair ask it's just like trying to ask um a man to carry a baby in the womb that they don't even have it's yeah. just not a realistic expectation and so how can we have these uh things balanced out so it, 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 it's, an, it's a neat thing when we can look at what is the foundation, what is that bare minimum, and then when do we take it to a specialization and just ride them a little bit different for that sport. That kind of gave me an interesting thought about that foundation and how, and I've never ridden like a finished school, you know, schooling level English horse, but how different does it feel from a finished schooling level Western horse? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it feels. They, they both be, feel trained. Like they both feel like you know that like expensive car that you dream about driving. You've driven once in your life. You know what I mean? Like, nice is nice. Nice is nice, right. but it is a difference. Like it's the difference between driving like maybe like a hundred thousand dollar like Range Rover, a hundred thousand dollar Porsche, or a hundred thousand dollar 
Cadillac or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. but you definitely, they all have the, the engine, they all have the athleticism, they all have the training, they're all responsive. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it just depends where you go with it. And I think actually Jake said something interesting a little minute, a minute ago that it's, it's discipline specific. So even though you have, you know, you once you've got the foundation, there's there might be differences between English and Western, but even in English disciplines, dressage, show jumping or venting hunters, like you have quite different ways you want those horses to go. Yeah. And that you just know, comes down to ways. how do you ask the horse to do it? If Are you going to ride a hunter? They're going to be on a looser line, yeah. a little lower head carriage, yeah. slower pace. Mm-hmm. You just ride. So Sophia is, a, we've kind of, is what started this conversation. Mm-hmm. You just you can ride her like that. So mm-hmm. You ride her in a little jumping saddle and you put the feel just right on the reins and she'll put her head down nice and low and just do that slow little lope. You mm-hmm. just ride her that way mm-hmm. versus if I want to ride her more uphill and hit on the gas and mm-hmm. we're going somewhere at a clip and we're going forward and over this jump, you just ride her that way. And you mm-hmm. showed that today mm-hmm. in the warm up where she did this slow little lope. And you're like, okay, mm-hmm. I need to be able to get on the gas. Funny thing, in preparing for thinking about this, I've been working on the gallop. And so I, the last three days before yeah. today, that's what I've been working on. Mm-hmm. And uh, her one thing that. Uh, it's like you know me. Like I know, <laughs> Jake's gonna want this horse a little bit more forward. And so she, being a more, naturally more um, hot horse, yeah. forward has been easy. I've yeah. trained her to really go slow, right? Yeah, and yeah. get collected. Yeah. Now, yeah. I feel like you can only extend a horse as far as you can collect them. Yeah. So if I can ride her in a pee off at a trot, that means I can ride a really extended yeah. trot. If I can lomo slope in place, I can really gallop and go somewhere. And so, uh, excuse me, what you'll see with her, if you watch the warm up video, so the first video of the series, there's one moment where, and she only did it one time, which is awesome because it's what I've been working on, on the right lead coming around, she dropped the hind lead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Remember I when she did that. it? Yeah. And she dropped the hind yeah. lead and you just yeah. allowed her to slow down and then you just went forward again. Yeah. Okay, and she didn't do it again. Yeah. That's what I've been working on is when she doesn't hold herself together, for her it's a bit of a mental thing more mm-hmm. than a physical strength mm-hmm. and conditioning, in my opinion, knowing this horse for, yeah. you know, since she was two. Yeah. Uh, she's coming 10, so that's eight years I've been riding this horse and almost had her living with me full time. That That's just a thing that shows up in her. She'll drop that hind lead. Oh, that's that's. I'm actually glad you said that because I thought I had like made a mistake and inadvertently cued her. I was like, this horse is really sensitive. I must have sat a little. little (laughs) I was kind of thinking that was my fault. My left leg came off. So what I've been working on is having that where she has that confidence that when I put both legs on, she doesn't have to get worried and leave the hind. Oh man, I'm glad you said that. No next shoulder ribs, hip. She she didn't leave the hip Mm -hmm. behind and lose that mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. kick the yeah. lead out and so she that was too awesome to watch that three days of work before you wrote her yeah. really hold together and just that yeah. one time and it wasn't a big deal she just oh, she yeah. felt it fixed it because yeah. i've been going that might be uncomfortable if you make that choice yeah. kind of getting her to have a little more ownership yeah. so then it is easy that you could just give her the opportunity to quickly drop down and fix it yeah and and that's what yeah. happened so it was neat to watch that yeah it worked. You were able to let's gallop yeah. and go somewhere, yeah. but have that yeah. have that balance, and that's then knowing the sport and how it might be ridden, yeah. and, and preparing for yeah. that. Yeah, and there's a you know depending on the horse and the situation. If I feel a horse, you know maybe the hind end gets a little weaker, goes to the outside, and they swap. There's a few different ways depending on the situation that I'd fix it. One of the ways is I'd drop back down to a slower canter or a trot, let them get their balance. 
Another way, you know, with it slightly different horses, I might ask the haunches to go back to the inside and get the change again behind. Mm -hmm. And another way is I might ask them to kind of gallop forward and get the hind legs moving a little quicker, which would then give them the power to get their hind legs underneath them and be moving quicker and then swap to the exactly. correctly. So Catch there's a few up. different ways that I would deal with that depending yeah. on the And I agree, Those that's exactly the same ways that I would deal with it. And yeah. that's what I've done with her. Yeah. For her, she yeah. knows how to put that hip in. She knows yeah. how to canter sideways. So you can hold that shoulder, totally kick that hip back over mm -hmm. there and she'll swap the lead right, mm -hmm. right back. She can do that. Yeah. And... Um, but also just giving her a little more gas till she kind of gets her legs back up under her yeah. instead of losing her balance and, and or composure and, mm -hmm. and dropping to the outside. So that's mm -hmm. exactly the, the same ways I would mm -hmm. say that you could fix it. And uh, it's just neat to watch that a little bit of education and conditioning. And then it came through and it yeah. made it that much easier for her to be prepared for a new job, yeah. um, which is just different from how I traditionally have ridden her and that was just to get her really good at riding slower that was a horse in the past i didn't have very many uh, less educated riders ride just because she yeah could be too busy too sensitive too mm -hmm. fast that it would then make them nervous versus my gray horse that i ride he's really easy to ride because he's naturally very slow uh, and it can help people as they're building confidence um, do and that's just the difference in you know horse for a different job mm -hmm. um, but she's kind of the hot rod he's like the dually truck mm -hmm. and you're picking the right horse for the right job yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> so not to switch gears here but we do have an event coming up in February yes we do uh, 22nd 23rd it's a Saturday Sunday <clears throat> uh, it's here in Citra it's at it's actually at Jake's place Pear Tree Ranch um, he's got a He's got a wonderful place there, a um, little cross-country course, and there's a riding arena, round pen, playground. Um, I mean, there's, <clears throat> it's kind of a, it's a great place. It's a great training facility. Um, so we're going to have a, our symposium there, and Tick will be there. Jake will be there, obviously. Uh, Ryan Rose will be there, and Emily Rose will be there. Uh, and so the idea behind this is kind of, um, you know, what are what are some things that, that apply to both, to, to really all, to all disciplines, you know, and going in depth into each discipline off of those foundations. So I don't know if you guys want to talk about the classes that you're, you know, that you're planning on doing, um, kind of getting a little bit more depth. Cause I, on the website, if you go to the horsemansuniversity.com and you click the links to get to the symposium page, um, you'll see a little bit of a synopsis of, of the different classes. Um, <clears throat> but it's not like a, in-depth description or anything i don't know if you guys had anything to add but before we get to that maybe i'll just tell everybody that the way that this is set up is um, each of the clinicians are going to be doing 45 minutes to an hour on a given topic and there will be two arenas going at you know simultaneously so there's chances are at any point during the day there's going to be something that you want to learn about um, anywhere from you know rehabbing a horse and, and strengthening like the horse's core, rider's core to target training to, you know, jumping and stuff like that. Um, so there's, there's all kinds of different stuff. So through Saturday and Sunday, there'll be two arenas going 45 minutes to an hour per session. And, and there's the opportunity for people to watch that and to sign up for some of those sessions. Is that right? Yeah. So if you wanted to participate, if you wanted to be a rider in the course, you can also apply for that on the Horseman's University webpage. Um, if you wanted to, if you wanted to come and get actual instruction from, uh, from any of these guys for any of the classes, you can do that as well. 
And if they, if some of like uh, Jake's or Ryan's classes don't fill, I can, I can ride in those, right? Yeah, if, if you're not teaching. Well, I'm kind of hoping. I'm kind of hoping they don't fill. <laughs> I, want, I want to get back in one of those Western saddles. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Saturday, um, the, we're going to lead off with a demo from Tick on how he warms his horses up for uh, for any riding session that he does, um, and then um, there's a TikTok and also breaking down the puzzle, which is a two part. Um, classes from jake so i don't know if you wanted to extrapolate a little bit on what what yeah. you're planning with those i know you mentioned something about spins and lead changes so my um the way it reads on the website it says liberty spins and lead changes so that kind of makes you think that maybe we're going to do lead changes at liberty which we could do <laughs> um i was more thinking one groundwork thing and one riding thing and to have two puzzles to break down and something that could seem like wow this is a big thing or some people make those doing liberty spins where the horse just sits there and spins 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 while, while you kind of smile and wave at the crowd oh wow that's really high level and it doesn't have to be and so the idea of breaking down the puzzle and how can we make this really simple and go from confidence and yielding and turn that into a pattern or a job and same idea with the lead change and so building up to lead changes this is something that um, our buddy ryan rose um, does a great job of talking about as well is the idea of exercises versus maneuvers. So a lead changes a maneuver. And the way you get good at doing that maneuver is by doing a whole list of exercises. And that would be breaking down the puzzle. What are all those um, exercises to get ready for doing the maneuver of a lead change? Now, one day, if you wanted to do tempi lead changes, one of the exercises that you have to do to be good at doing the maneuver of tempi lead changes is lead changes. Mm -hmm. So the maneuver turns into the exercise. So if I'm going to be really good at doing um, three, two, or one tempi lead changes, I need to be really good at lead changes as an exercise. And so um, looking at understanding that and how do we then break down this puzzle to try to simplify this thing that some people either have thought or chose to make more difficult than maybe it needs to be. And uh, that's something that I've tried to work hard at is for myself. I had to train myself a lot of times how to understand these pieces and watch somebody do something and go, okay, well, that person maybe isn't going to come to my house and show me how to do it, and I may be not that great at watching videos or I can't afford it. How can I figure this puzzle out myself and train my brain to think in that way? So that's mm -hmm. going to be the idea of the session is how can we learn to be good at breaking down puzzles and seeing and that way we can just figure it out and train ourselves to do this so. that sounds awesome it's it's hard i mean like putting on an event like this because it's like i want to go and <laughs> want to go watch everything yeah. <laughs> or to bring my horse down and you know participate in the classes um so one of the things that uh that tick is going to be doing is is going to be a doing a TikTok, and we do some of these as podcasts but uh this one will be will be live at the event um <clears throat> and there's two of them so the the second one which kind of relates to what we're talking about in this podcast um, is seven habits to a better relationship with your horse no matter the discipline and so maybe maybe you could give us just like a preview of maybe a couple of those or you know just kind of a, a little bit of a little bit of an appetizer of that yeah um 
Yeah, Bef before I start on that though, I would like to just say for everybody out there, one of my favorite things is, um, you know, even though we've got all these topics, is that people come with some questions. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you're too, you know, if you're too shy to ask the questions at the event, like feel free to send an email or a note or Nick especially is super approachable and, and uh, loves to hear from, from any comments about um, the Horseman's Absolutely. University. Yeah. So, so feel free to send a note if there's something you want us to address or a question you have about you know, ho uh, horses in general or your horse in particular, and we'll see if we can fit that in somewhere. No matter the riding level or experience, we love answering all those questions. Yeah, I mean, even right. if it's a, question, yeah. a simple question on tack, a simple question on you know, what, is, what does this word even mean yeah. that you know, was yeah. said or something that might put into perspective. And it gives us great ideas so. for videos as well. You know, maybe you have a question about, about a girth or a piece of equipment and we can create a little video about that and, yeah. and post that for you. Yep. So, uh, but in terms of my, uh, my TikTok um, uh, on, on uh, ideas to have a better relationship with your horse, I'm going to cover quite a few. One of the things that I like to talk about a little bit is the words that we use when we talk about horses. You know, like often we use words that we use with each other, like, you know, respect or trust or what is your horse like or what is your horse love or, you know, people will say my horse isn't polite. And I'm just going to kind of challenge you in that talk to think about what those words mean to people and also to different people. You know, if you ask three or four people what the word respect means, I bet you'd get three or four different answers. Mm -hmm. And then on the other hand, we're talking about a whole nother species. Right. So like, what is, does a respect mean the same thing to a horse as to you? Um, and also, you know, like we talk about, we want our horses to be polite, but I'm going to challenge you to think about some ways that you can be more polite to your horse. So just, just some ideas to kind of get us to rethink how we deal with our horse on a day-to-day basis you know yeah yeah that sounds great i mean that all that kind of stuff is really important to think about and it's i feel like it's not stu stuff that we really challenge ourselves to think about and really delve into like what like you want your horse to be polite to you but what are you telling your horse like what yeah. are you asking of your yeah. horse yeah. what is you know yeah how are they interpreting it? And it may be different, you know, different horses may interpret it differently. It's like you may yeah. be really rude to one horse and... You know, some horses, just like in terms of getting a rub, some horses like a little harder rub and some horses like a little softer rub. Right. right? So there's, and there's, there's yeah. all kinds of little tricks too, you know, like some people were brought up in sort of this natural horsemanship world. They were lucky enough to have parents or instructors and they got started that way. But I think most people aren't and I certainly wasn't. You know, I was brought up in a, in a sort of an eventing jumping world um, where competition was the main thing and pony club as well. And um, there were a lot of things looking back that we did that were not polite to our horses, but we never did it on purpose. You know, we just, that wasn't a specific part of what we taught. The emphasis was on, you know, jumping, for example, or dressage, for example. I, you know, I, can't, I don't think growing up, you know, for the first 15 years of my life with horses, I ever had somebody come into a stall with me or a paddock with me and say, this is a nice way to catch your horse. Mm. Um, you know, and it, 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 we got away with a lot. And the reason we got away with a lot is because we weren't dealing with the troubled horses. We weren't dealing with the difficult horses. We weren't dealing with, uh, you know, like really green horses or wild horses like the Mustangs that you might get from the BLM. We were dealing with sort of run-of-the-mill horses. And just because you can get away with something, it doesn't mean you should. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, absolutely. Because then when you go and you interact with some of those horses that may, you know... <laughs> be offended by what you're doing well, then, it catch, then it does catch up to you yeah, yeah exactly yeah. Yeah. it's something that we do with horses i've worked so hard on myself and just words that i've chosen to not i don't want in my vocabulary or i don't want to yeah. use loosely 
because I want it to really mean something. And if yeah. we do the same thing with our horsemanship, yeah. those of us that have worked decided to use this as a project and yeah. really subscribe to getting um, better and better all the time yeah. and really become self-aware and aware of these horses yeah. so that we have a, that much yeah. better of a relationship. And you just, instead of getting away with something and it's you got lucky and or the horse filled in for you, you get where you can anytime, any place, any horse start getting along. And it's yeah. so, and same with people. How can you be that good with people mm -hmm. to just make everybody into your friend? Mm -hmm. It's It really is a challenge to do. And I'm, I just love being around people like Tick and Nick and Ryan and Emily and, and everybody involved here that it's, they all are doing the same thing. How can we get better at Well, I've seen, I, it's like when you talk about the words, like I love that uh, Jake is saying that, but to be fair to some professionals I've seen out there, they can use words like, you know, it may be insulting words to the horse, like my horse is a jerk or my horse is so greedy or my horse is so disrespectful. And because they are professionals and they have the right timing, they're able to still do the right thing at the right time. Yep. Where it comes to be a problem, I think, is when somebody is watching them, a kid maybe, or an amateur, or somebody doesn't spend as much time around the horses, and they hear those words. And then all of a sudden, when they deal with that mm -hmm. same horse, mm -hmm. you know, they're leading to that horse out, and they've heard this person say, My, that horse is a jerk, and all of a sudden, they're getting after the horse in a way that that professional wasn't. Yep. Right. So it's not always like what you're, that the words, they can, I think they, they do subtly influence how you yourself work with the horse, but I think even more importantly, you know, that we are, we're role models for the, some of the kids out there now yep. that are in the position we were 15, 20 years ago, and we want to make sure they're getting the right ideas. Yeah. It's, it's so crucial. Habits. You don't realize they use the word, but the way their energy was on the inside, the way the timing, as you put it, it, it makes it, they get away with yeah. using those words, but because what they did on the inside and they're feeling timing around. Exactly. It, was, it, it worked with the horse. Now, the attitude, the perception of someone watching is, oh, they're a jerk, so they that creates a picture exactly right. and that's where yeah. i mean i yep. said it on on this podcast that's a big one for me is not right or wrong it's just different yeah. like, don't make something oh that's wrong yeah, yeah. It says who do you yeah. decided that's maybe wrong for you but that doesn't mean it's wrong for somebody else how yeah. do we same thing as ought to or should you should do this says who yeah and versus yeah. you could you could choose this you could choose that and, yeah. and having that clear picture on what do we really mean versus yeah. we use these words because we didn't get thoughtful enough same thing with yeah. horses and how we apply that. So that way we try to even harder to get everybody on the same page and don't accidentally create a picture and someone thinks they got what we meant and it was something totally different. Yeah, and we right. don't know it because they maybe yeah. only saw us on a video or only saw in a demonstration. Yeah. And it's, it's so important, especially with that next generation that comes again. Because I know there's things that I saw and I thought I understood it. And then when I got going, like, I totally learned this, not what was meant. <laughs> Why didn't anybody say so? And yeah. they're like, I did so. I said this and this and this. And it's like, you said that, but I thought you meant this. Yeah, and you right. actually yeah. meant another thing. And yeah. I didn't know. And you didn't know that I didn't yeah, catch right. that. So therefore, you couldn't help me better. Yeah. And yep. uh, it's, that's an awareness. Big it's time. funny, like in all of this, and I think this is very important, is that none of this that we're talking about is the horse's fault. <laughs> it's not. It's, like they are such deal. forgiving creatures that it's like, yeah. I mean, when you hear these things, it's like, well, the horse probably just didn't understand what you were <laughs> asking yeah. or, you know, like was presented to them in a way that they understood or whatever. But yeah. realistically, you know, user error 
kind of number one. <laughs> yeah, big piece. In, yeah. in most things with the horse world, yeah. you know, there's some there like. Every so often, you get a horse that learns some really bad habits, and you know, then they, they get dominant or whatever. But that's beyond yeah. beyond user error. But ninety nine times out of a hundred, user error probably taught them that inappropriate. Exactly. Thing. Yeah, and that's yeah, what for sure. Still, right? so goes it still back starts to, back with the yeah, back with the yeah. person. You got to yeah. teach horses to not load, to lean, to kick. You got to teach right. them to do all those things. They yeah. don't. They don't want to do that. Now, there's a few things that naturally their DNA tells them to do that we don't want, yeah. but it's quite simple to retrain them because they're always learning. And yeah. so as long as you understand how to not teach them to do those things, yep. they, they get where you can't make them do it, yeah. uh, which is you know, a blessing when you get to be around pure horses like that. Yeah. Well, I think we're going to wrap it up here. Uh, thanks, guys, for being a part of the podcast and everything thanks that for you do for us. the U. Um, if you're out there, be sure to check out the, the symposium that we're doing this February. Again, it's the 22nd, 23rd. It's down here in Citra, Florida. Um, it'll be at Jake's place. Um, everybody that's involved, check them out too. They're really great uh, trainers, clinicians, um, equine professionals. There's uh, Jake, obviously, at Pear Tree, uh, Tick at Copper Line Farm, Ryan Rose at Rose Horsemanship, and Emily Rose at Reaching Strides Equine Rehab. So thanks for listening. Uh, tune in next time and we'll hopefully bring you some more podcasts soon.